History makers, history makers, history makers is a podcast. Lucy Rogers, Beck Hill, and Harriet Brain take a look at the people who made things in the past, and we talk about tech and we have a good laugh about the past and the present and the future and stuff. History makers, history makers, history makers. History Makers, the show that explores modern technology and the makers from history who made it all possible. I'm Dr. Lucy Rogers, problem solver, maker, engineer, presenter, author, job title addict. (laughs) Joining me to help decide if technology is our salvation or damnation is comedy wrecking ball, Beck Hill. saying, Lucy, is that all technology should be destroyed and we should return to an agrarian-based economy. Is that too much to ask? (laughs) We'll see, Beck. Talking of wanting to destroy, it's my homemade mechanical monster and the crazed crooner that is Harriet Brain. I'll kill you all. You ain't got no protection from laser disintegration. Wherever you hide or run. No, Harriet. Bad. (laughs) Agrarian-based economy, just saying. (laughs) In this episode, I'll be looking at the weird world of 3D manufacturing and the surprising story of Josiah Wedgwood. I'll be using my data banks to bring our maker to life. And I'll be desperately clinging to the concept of hope in a world increasingly obsessed by materialistic wealth. (laughs) So set your ears to receive and your mind to blown as we bring you another episode of... History Makers! When I was about six, my parents made me go into manufacturing. I'm not saying... I'm not saying I was sent to the steel mill, although I was. It's just that they gave me some stickle bricks to play with. And whether you had stickle bricks, Duplo, Lego, there were two things in common. They're fairly expensive, and really hurt when you tread on them. <laughs> in fact, the Danish phrase, leg got, roughly translates as, ha, 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 that'll teach you not to wear socks. <laughs> when you think about it, though, playing with Lego is really just a form of additive manufacturing, in that you add one thing to another and see what you get. Some wisecracks argue that digging holes is therefore subtractive manufacturing. But I think this is dangerous talk as it would mean all dogs would automatically become engineers and take all our jobs. (laughs) Can you imagine the chaos? Boardrooms bursting with buckets of Bonio biscuits being bickered over by badly behaved beagles. (laughs) It's not even... (laughs) It's not easy for me to say to... (laughs) It's not easy for me to say, let alone think. It's often said that Play-Doh is just pottery for kids. Although, in reality, pottery is actually just Play-Doh for grown-ups. And back in the olden days, by which I mean not just pre-Facebook, but pre-books, each potter had to do everything themselves, from throwing the clay to decorating, and that thing where you sit behind someone singing unchained melody and pretending to be a ghost. But in the 1760s, Josiah Wedgwood, he of Wedgwood pottery fame, came along and changed everything. Not only was he really good at singing Unchained Melody, (laughs) but he's also credited with several manufacturing innovations, including the division of labour. 
a technique Jeremy Corbyn uses to great effect today. <laughs> so way before Henry Ford built his first production line or Chuck Hill created the world's first 3D printer, Josiah Wedgwood had unlocked the secrets of industrialized 3D manufacturing and, as a consequence, everyone now has those same plates from Ikea. <laughs> and I have some interesting factoids when I'm invited to dinner parties. <laughs> Side note. I'm no longer invited to dinner parties. <laughs> side, side note, I don't know how to cook and I'm starting to get really, really hungry. <laughs> and when it comes to modern 3D manufacturing techniques, and in particular 3D printing, there are now loads of different techniques available. One of the most popular methods for hobbyists is to use software to create a design before taking a coil of plastic, heat the end up to 220 degrees and then forcing it through a nozzle which in my mind is basically just hot Play-Doh. <laughs> so there you have it. That's my uh, stripper name. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. <laughs> 3D manufacturing is a joy you discover as a child and take with you through into adulthood, while simultaneously spending all your parents' money on Lego and that high-end 3D printer you saw online and now really, really want. No, oh, what do you what do you think I reckon, Lucy? <laughs> of course, I think 3D printing is the worst thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> Recently, a friend invited me to visit her new workshop, which had a 3D printer. She offered to print me a keyring. I would have preferred a new phone or a car, but apparently those are not options. So <laughs> a keyring it was. After about half an hour of searching through open source designs for keyrings, because apparently designers, when given the opportunity to create something for the benefit of humanity, go with keyrings, <laughs> we finally found one we liked and sent it to the printer for printing. First of all, no one told me how long 3D printing takes. <laughs> Secondly, no one told me how often it stuffs up. <laughs> Three times the plastic got stuck and we had to start again. Each time, my friend had to hack away at the mutant plastic mess which had melded to the base of the printer. Ironically, the scraping tool she used was something she had had to print when she realised that she needed it. <laughs> but finally, we managed to get a keyring. And you know how long it took? 45 years. <laughs> I found out later that that printer cost her company 2,000 pounds. 2,000 pounds! They would have to print off 5,000 keyrings and sell them for one pound each to break even on that machine because 4,000 of those would not print properly. <laughs> Which is ridiculous because that would take 90,000 years. <laughs> they say 3D printers are the future. They're not the future. That's just how long I have to wait until I get my bloody keyring. So have we got any good examples of 3D manufacturing? Gosh. <laughs> I asked the Twittersphere, what's the best thing you've 3D printed? At Ellie Mac Z said, I've printed my girlfriend an anatomically correct model of a human heart for Valentine's Day. I'm not printing the rest of her. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to just finish it with, I 3D printed my girlfriend. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> She's anatomically correct. <laughs> the next one. At Dr. Rich Johnston used an X-ray machine to X-ray a kinder egg and then 3D print the toy from inside the egg without actually opening the egg. <laughs> so so he, can't, 
He could technically make an omelette without breaking eggs. Oh. <laughs> I love that. That's, I mean, that needs to be, first of all... Completely pointless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, I, I reckon if he has kids, they're going to end up doing that to their Christmas presents. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, would, I think we could take that further. I think we should start scanning pregnant women. <laughs> <laughs> and then you could do the little models. Of, like, the baby as it goes stages. on. That'd be so much more interesting than an ultrasound. If you're like, here, have a figurine of my fetus. <laughs> At Neil Canham has tweeted to say, he has printed several thousand random 3D ASCII characters. And how do I get it to stop? <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing like I get it. <laughs> And now it's time for us to solve another mystery from history. This is the part of the show where we explore an unsolved puzzle from the past, like what came first, the chicken or a slightly smaller chicken? <laughs> Not only was Josiah Wedgwood a key maker in 3D manufacturing, but he was also the father of modern marketing, direct mail, catalogues and travelling salesmen. These were all his innovations. Like a sort of Steve Jobs, but for pottery. I wonder what his product launches would have been like. Well, to find out, Harriet, why not access your archives and take us back to 1784? Okay. Downloading data. Creating historical play. Here at Wedgwood, we don't just sell pottery. We sell an experience. <laughs> A pottery experience. <laughs> Introducing the most sumptuous soup-serving experience ever brought to market. Pottery, soup and superlatives is the holy trinity. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the iDish X. <laughs> uh, isn't that just an iDish 7 with an X painted on it? <laughs> Bitch, please. <laughs> iDish X is six grams lighter, one percent thinner and fully compatible with ice spoons. <laughs> and it still comes in blue. The Eidish X comes in a stunning range of blues. Dark blue, pale blue, metallic blue and rose gold. Meaning your, your Eidish X is unique to you and anyone else with the same colour. Uh, Mrs. Baverstock always buys the same Eidish as me. Is there any way I can protect my Eidish from being confused with hers? Fear not, as iDish X comes with face ID. Simply put your face in your dish to be instantly recognized. How? You'll be the only person with soup on your face. Kind sir, are you taking advantage of your loyal customers? This is the future of marketing, ma'am. You mean buying something that's basically the same but with weird new features, just so I can keep up with Mrs. Baverstock? Yes. <laughs> Does this mean you don't want one? No! I want five! Yeah, I'll take six. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really not sure that that's what Josiah was like. All right then, Lucy, how about you give us the facts? But you know, I'm very impatient, so I want you to keep it to a minute. Challenge accepted. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you the life and work of Josiah Wedgwood in only 60 seconds. Harriet, ready the timer. Josiah Wedgwood was born to a family of potters in 1730. Smallpox left him weak and his leg had to be amputated. This meant he couldn't use the potter's wheel. Instead, he gained a thorough understanding of all the aspects of pottery. 
He applied science to its manufacture and experimented with the clay and glaze compositions. He also experimented with chemicals and produced distinctive colours and textures such as jasper ware and black basalt. He managed to reliably reproduce perfect cream-coloured earthenware known as creamware or, after he was appointed Queen Charlotte's Potter, Queensware. This was a vast improvement on the ordinary crockery of the day and it was in demand by royalty and heads of state around the world. To measure the high temperatures in a kiln, he invented the pyrometer, which gained him fellowship of the Royal Society. Not just interested in efficient factory organisation, he was a civil rights campaigner and slavery abolitionist. So not only was Josiah Wedgwood a key historical maker in the field of pottery and manufacturing, he used his influence to remake our society. When you described him as uh, Queen Charlotte's Potter, I uh, misheard and thought you said a Queen Charlotte Spotter. <laughs> what a great job. There's one. And the next one won't be around for quite some time. You know what, Lucy? It'd be cool if Josiah was here right now. Good idea, Beck. Harriet, hack into the dark web so we can all meet our maker. Loading, loading, loading. Loading, loading, Josiah Wedge. Oh, here he is. Here he is. He's here now. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Josiah. I'm your boss, probably, but I'm also your friend. <laughs> now, I'm just your average 18th century Staffordshire lad. <laughs> yes, this is how we all talked back then in Staffordshire. What I strive to do is just, you know, manufacture the best crockery in the world for my customers. Want it smoother, brighter, stronger? I'll do it. I can manufacture anything. In fact, what I've done for you today is manufacture the perfect pop song to showcase my new eye dish and show you just how brilliant I am. I mean, my pots. How brilliant my pots are. Girl, let me tell you about it You won't believe what I can do with ceramic It's beautiful, beautiful, pale blue It's hard and smooth and impossibly stylish Open up your cabinet and look at your eye dish It's beautiful, beautiful, like you There's no I in Wedgwood and there's only one E Let's start a revolution in crockery, oh Jasper Ware, oh Jasper Ware, oh Creamware, oh Creamware. Everybody tells me when they see my china, Mr. Wedgwood, I confess that I have never seen finer earthenware, oh Transferware. The secret mm, to all of my success is a series of rigorous experiments. It's chemical. Green glaze. Mm. If I was alive now, I'd win The Apprentice. My business is so hot it makes Steve Jobs jealous. But we're both dead. We're both dead. <laughs> Never mind. You're so perfect, did I model you from clay? Crockery goals, unbelievable luxury. You're so hot, I need to get my parameter. That is what I call a satisfied customer. There's no I in Wedgwood and there's only one E. Let's start a revolution in crockery. Oh, Jasper Ware. Oh, Jasper Ware. Oh, Creamware. Oh, Creamware. 
tells me when they see my china Mr. Wedgwood, I confess that I have never seen finer Earthenware Oh, transferware The secret mm, to all of my success Is a series of rigorous experiments It's chemical, chemical, green glaze if I was alive now, I'd win The Apprentice My business is so hot it makes Steve Jobs jealous But we're both dead, we're both dead Never mind has a fast, cheap and reliable 3D printer capable of building anything from an atomic level. You could feed it rubbish, biological waste, colon, the Daily Mail. <laughs> and it would repurpose those atoms to create whatever your heart desires, even if you desire a new heart. Replacement organs, food, the latest gadgets, all things you could print off in a jiffy, including the jiffy. <laughs> Love venison but hate the idea of eating Bambi's mum? 3D printing will allow you to bypass all the guilt associated with fruit production. No pain, all game. And yes, <laughs> yes, I did choose venison specifically so I could do that tenuous play on words. It's a post-capitalist future where we want for nothing. Sounds pretty good, right? Sounds like a sort of Star Trek utopia. Wrong! <laughs> First of all, humans should never be given access to everything they want. If you don't believe me, check a teenage boy's browser history. <laughs> we can't handle it. To paraphrase the Joker, we're like dogs chasing cars. We wouldn't know what to do if we caught one. I know this because when my husband went away, I ate jelly for all my meals for two days. <laughs> Was it what I wanted? Yes. Was it what I needed? No. Did I throw up purple? You betcha. <laughs> In a future where we can print anything we want, we're unlikely to print the things we need. If anything, we'll just end up printing more stuff and have less space. Our home decor will start to resemble a souvenir shop in London. And that's assuming we're not using the printers to create more nefarious things like weapons, in which case our home decor will start to resemble a souvenir shop in Texas. <laughs> Secondly, everything will become redundant. Not just jobs, but livestock. Cows and sheep will go extinct because we'll have no use for them anymore. Nursery rhymes will perplex children. They won't understand what old MacDonald had, what he had on it, what sound it possibly made. <laughs> and without all that, then the EIEIO bit seems utterly pointless. <laughs> Finally, the printers will become self-aware and start printing themselves, replicating at an exponential rate. Attempting to destroy them will only result in a futuristic reboot of The Sorcerer's Apprentice. At first it will be welcome. Oh, how handy, now I have a spare. But next our streets will be full of them. People will say, oh yes, did you know in London you're only six feet away from a 3D printer? <laughs> Eventually we're surrounded by them, like a scene from the birds. Next thing you know, bam, planet of the printers. And it's bye-bye for humanity. You worked out how to print a heart, but you didn't think to print a brain. And that is why 3D manufacturing will ruin the world. <laughs> I hear you, Beck, but maybe a game will help you feel differently. Yay, I love playing games with humans. Does it involve lasers? <laughs> maybe, Harriet, maybe. I'm going to read out some types of 3D printing techniques and you have to guess if they're real or made up in a game. I like to call it Maker or Faker. 
Beck. Laminated Object Manufacturing, LOM. Uh, so oh, can I get the audience to answer this, to help me with this? So give us a cheer if you think that as a maker, a real thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, give me a cheer if you think it's a fake thing. Hey. The audience is wrong. Oh, oh, no one even went for the first one. Laminated object manufacturing. Layers and layers of sticky material stuck on top of each other and the shape cut out using a knife or lasers. Think Blue Peter, all those weird contour maps. <laughs> okay, the second one. Welding technology fabrication. All right, so um, so we have to work out if it's a maker or a faker. Give us a cheer for a maker. Yeah. Give us a cheer for faker. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad they realised that welding technology fabrication has the initials WTF. <laughs> it's a faker. Fused deposition modelling, FDM. All right, uh, cheer for a maker. Yeah. Cheer for faker. <laughs> you know, I'm really glad that the design spark people who are in today know this one. Fused deposition modelling. It's melted plastic like a glue gun, extruded like piped icing. That's the game. Uh, that's the <laughs> so what do we think the future holds for 3D manufacturing, Lucy? I think bespoke is the future. There'll be so little waste as we will only make what we want when we want it. Wait, so you're saying if we just print stuff as we need it, there's no packaging or anything? Yeah. Well, what, then what happens to all the bin men? <laughs> oh, what happens to the lorries? The bin lorries will have nowhere to go because we can't even dump them because we won't have dumps anymore. <laughs> but we have got the problem of maybe copyright. Yeah, actually, I've been thinking about that as well because if we all get to print off our own stuff and then you could just, like, do knockoffs, you could just, like, print... You know, if it was a really good 3D printer, you could just do your own Louis Vuitton bag or something like that. And then I, I reckon we're going to start getting piracy laws like we had on DVDs when everyone started streaming. So it'd be things like, you wouldn't steal a car. I'm like, yeah, but I would print one. <laughs> I'd, I'd absolutely print a Tesla. <laughs> Time now for us to vote on whether 3D manufacturing will be our salvation or our damnation. So audience, is 3D manufacturing our salvation? Yeah. Or will it be our damnation? Yeah. <laughs> I think, and I'm a judge, so I'm going to say it, 3D manufacturing is our salvation. <laughs> and so, on that result, we've reached the end of the show. Oh. But there's just time for some listener messages. <laughs> Dr Eve L. G. Nias has left us a coded message saying... Over 20 years ago, we were promised sharks with laser beams on their heads. <laughs> Where the hell are they? Alice from Sheffield has tweeted to say that tech companies can be so inconsistent. One minute, I'm encouraged to be innovative. The next, I'm being told off at the office party for 3D printing my boobs. <laughs> Anita from Aberdeen has texted in to ask... Dear history makers, is it true that scientists have managed to cool testicles down to minus 273 degrees centigrade? Sorry, Anita, but I think you'll find that story is just absolute bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> so there we have it. Another technology tamed, another maker met. We've helped you memorise the magnificence of 3D manufacturing. And we've celebrated the genius of maker Josiah Wedgwood. Love you, Josiah. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. And why not 3D print an extra set of ears so you can listen twice to the next episode of History Makers? <laughs> History Makers, Sergeant Rogers, Beck Hill and Harriet Brain. 
It was written by Lucy Rogers, Beck Hill, Harriet Brain and Daniel Page with additional material from Catherine Brinkworth, Stephen Mawinney, Kate Hingsman, Dan Swerrett and Tony Madison. History Makers is a Why Did the Chicken production recorded live at the Canal Cafe Theatre. The script editor was Stu Cooper and the producer Daniel Page.